So we went over to help Pastor Joey Rozek, who is my youth pastor when I was a freshman here. And he actually started Impact and the youth ministries here at Calvary Chapel. So we just partnered with him during the week. And he's a man that's on fire for the Lord. And he just loves Jesus so much. And he's a born evangelist. So uh, it's pretty fun to just be with him for an entire week. I'm going to share some of the life-changing things that happened on this trip that were mind-blowing for me. As a person who's been on about five, six mission trips by now, been on 20-something retreats, not even joking, like 20-something retreats, and seen God move in certain ways on different retreats, do some crazy stuff. But I've never seen anything as crazy as this past week. No joke. In 11 years of doing youth ministry, I've never seen anything that nuts. But I'm going to show you my story after I want you guys to hear from your own peers some things that God did in their hearts over this past week. So... Who would like to go first? <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so basically when we went on this trip, I was kind of like, you know, expecting God to work you know, with the people in England, but really he worked in all of our hearts, I can tell you that. But um, I just wanna share a quick story of what happened. Um, I was sharing with Bree for um, about three hours with these two girls who had no knowledge about Jesus or anything. And I was really surprised because, you know, you expect people in England, like, you know, to hear about God. And so we talked to these girls because they knew nothing about God and they believed in, like, the Big Bang because that's what they learned in school. And, you know, I just, me and Bree just, just talked to these girls and they were so open and now, like, we're going to continue to talk to them. Hopefully we gave them, you know, our information and stuff and we're going to continue to talk to them. But um, I just want to encourage you guys to know that, you know, when everyone asks this question, oh, you know, they say that God, you know, shows himself to everyone. But what about those remote villages in Africa where, you know, no one is civilized there and stuff. But, you know, those remote villages might be right next door. You know, your neighbor might not know about Jesus. So I just encourage you guys to share with the people around you because you don't know if they know or not. So thank you. thing about Kelsey is that uh, before I went on this trip, I was like, wow, I don't know much argument. I'm not really good at apologetics, but sorry, um, Joey was just like, you know, just open up with testimonies and just open and just give your testimony and thank for God have done in your life. And honestly, that has connected me with more people than giving arguments. And when I was um, talking with Kelsey, like we just like opened up and it was just so nice that you don't have to know all the answers, but just knowing what God done in your life and sharing it has really touched the people. And he, like, um, you like just wanted to be their friend and be on their level. It's just opened so many doors. And just you know, like when people want like know that you just want to have a conversation with them and not like okay, he'll say conversation, not a presentation. So it's just really nice that people are just so open there. And just now as they come home, I can just know that just by my testimony that I can just open so many doors. I might not have all the answers, and we might not all ever have all the answers, but just being real with people and just giving our love towards them is awesome. Thanks. There we go. All right, so what I'm going to say is really simple, but it's really, really powerful. So, <laughs> so we all go through... <laughs> You, okay, so anyway, so we all go through dry seasons. We all go through a spiritually dry season where sometimes we don't feel God's presence and we don't feel the power of God. But what I learned, especially on this trip, 
is that no matter how spiritually dry, you could be reading the Bible and not feel anything. You could be talking to people. You could be preaching to people and not feel anything inside you. What I learned is that if you seek out the power of the Holy Spirit, he will, you will find it and that you will be filled with it and that no matter what, you will be completely on fire for God once you find the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that because, I mean, I found it and uh, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm not going back. <laughs> All right, um, well, something that I was shown all week, which is really important, and it doesn't have anything to do with England. It could be applied anywhere. <laughs> um, but I just really learned, like, the power of the Word of God. It just seems like something you believe in, but nobody really believes in it. It's, so the way I learned it, it's more powerful, I guess, when you describe it by giving an example, is through evangelism. Uh, you could talk to someone all day and night about the Word of God and why it's true and like why they shouldn't think it's not true, but it doesn't really have any effect until you actually sit down, open a Bible, and read a few scriptures. Like you could see the countenance on people's faces just completely change when you would start to read it. It's like the conversation would be going kind of slow and like I didn't think it was getting anywhere, so I would just like start reading through Romans Road and describing it, and it, you could like you could see that something was changing inside of them. So. I don't know how to put this in a way that like everyone will get it here, but <laughs> you can't like you can't preach the word or give the word to someone unless you're reading it for yourself. And it doesn't have like uh, it's not this thing that you just read and then uh, you know more about God. It's like a true power more than anything that people could be saying. And um, yeah, so you just I encourage you to be in the word because if you're not in the word, then the word can't be heard. And if the word can't be heard, then nobody can be cured. So. <laughs> Um, this mission trip was a really cool one for me. It was uh, my third one to England and my first as a, as a leader to England. And the, the way that the Lord moved was really special because going into the trip, I was coming, uh, going through a deep spiritual depression where uh, I had very little faith in the church, very little faith even in this youth group. And I was wondering if God even had me to be a leader in the youth group anymore um, because uh, I looked at the state of kind of where we are and I said to myself, I don't really want to be a part of a a, a dry youth group or a youth group where the, where the Spirit of God isn't moving. Um, and the Lord used this trip to show me that if you don't believe that the Lord's moving in the church, it's because He's not moving in you. And so the first step that needs to be taken is for me to return back to God and for me to return to the first fruits, for me uh, to be seeking Him out in the morning first thing, and for me to be seeking Him out in prayer first thing in the morning. Um, because the amazing thing is, although we tend to not live like it, you know, Muhammad is dead. Um, you know, Buddha's gone, but Jesus Christ lives. And that's why we do what we do. Um, so if I could just encourage you with one thing, it's that. It's that we serve a God who is living and powerful. And although we may act like he's not there when we do things, he's there every second. And he loves us and he looks at you even in your worst of moments and he goes, that's the person I want. Um, and that's what was really encouraging to me is just to see the Spirit of God move as I opened up my life to him again. It was almost like a, a little revival in my own heart. And that's something that you don't need to be in England to experience. All you need to do is go home tonight, open your Bible, and say, God, I need you to speak to me because without you I'm nothing. And that's, that's all you need to do. So uh, I'll be praying for you guys. But the Spirit moving in our group was something amazing to witness, and that's something that I would give anything up to be a part of. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the Spirit moves in each and every one of you guys as well in the, in the coming weeks and months and how we can affect our church uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ.
All right. So um, I'm just going to share a story with you, and I'm also going to share what I shared to uh, Joey's church. Um, while we were there, me and Maddie got the opportunity to um, evangelize to this group of people who were studying English, and they were going to be there for seven months. So we uh, walked over to them while we noticed they um, looked at us, and so we started talking, and one of them said they were a Christian, and the, other, the, the rest of them had a bunch of questions about um, what we were uh, doing and, like, just about Jesus and everything. And um, towards the end of the conversation, we invited them out to the church, but we invited so many people out to the church, we didn't really think that they would show up, or, I don't know, I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, but on Sunday, when uh, Joey was like, uh, greet someone around you, I turned around and I saw them there. And they were surprised that I recognized them. I was surprised they showed up. And it was just a big, um, awesome moment. And then at the end of the service, uh, the guy, his name is Joe, he came up to me and Maddie. And he was like, can I get a picture with you guys? I'm so glad that you invited us out there we wouldn't be here without you. And I was like, what? I'm so blessed right now. Like, thank you so much for coming. And thank you, like, 10 times more than anything. It was like the coolest moment of my life. I never thought that could ever happen. And then a little bit of what I shared with Joey's church is about pride. And um, I just want you guys to um, understand, like, look at the size of our youth group. Like, where did it go? We used to be so big, and now we're, we're like, dwindling down to nothing, and that's because people are following down their like own downward path, and you guys need to realize that your way is not the best way. God's way is the best way, so I just want to encourage you with that. If you want to find your life, you will lose it for God's sake, so yeah. Before I went on this trip, I prepared by my reading and praying, and I thought I did all the right things, and, and I think my heart was in the right place, but a week before the trip, um, I basically just fell, like, back to the things that, like, I struggle with, something that I haven't struggled with in, like, a really long time, and I basically just went back to it in my mind and my thoughts and my heart, and I, um, at the packing party on the way home, I just basically broke down in my car, and I told God, like, there's no way I'm going on this trip. Like, you deserve someone so much better than me. And, um, and he showed me that basically he just showered his love on me and, um, you know, his character, who he is, his forgiveness and his goodness. And, and I basically, like, I just fought with him for hours in my room. Like, I'm not going. Like, I'm not equipped enough. Like, I, I just sinned against you. Like, I obviously don't love you enough if I just went back to that. And I was just having conversations in my mind with Satan basically about that. And, um, and he just told me, like, you're supposed to go on this trip. And that he wanted to use me in my brokenness. So I went, and um, on the bus right there, I talked to Maddie, and I just told her everything. And, and we prayed, and, and I was just really, really discouraged. I was like, God, how can you use someone like me? I'm so broken right now. And, and um, like, how, how can it be a testimony to anyone if, if I, like, I'm not even saved from those things, if I'll just go back there, or if I'll just slip back into it? Because I didn't mean to, but I just fell. And um, it was nothing too bad, but my heart was not in the right place. And it was, like, where it was when I wasn't a Christian for, like, a week. And I just stayed there. And God just showed me his forgiveness and his love. And I don't know, he's just so, so good and so faithful. And it was so amazing because I don't, 
I don't think if, um, if that was just a regular week and the trip wasn't a week after, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I don't know if I would have stayed there or if I would have, like, had the courage to tell anyone. And it was a really good opportunity, and he actually blessed me through it because I didn't feel like I was so much, like, above or so much higher than the people I was evangelizing to. I felt like I was completely on their level, you know, and... I don't know, he just really blessed me, and I just want to encourage you guys, like, don't ever feel like God can't use you, because he wants to use you in your brokenness, and, and just um, kind of what Julia was said, Julia said, like, it's not, like, don't try and go your own way, it really doesn't work. Like, I did it for a few days, and I was basically just like, all right, I'm going to do my own thing, God, like, I can't be in the world and, and in you, and, and I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't meet God's standard, and, like, that's true, I can't, like, that's why Jesus died, and I just want to encourage you, like, he's so faithful even when we're not. So just don't, don't ever feel like you're, you're, you're not good enough. You know, like, he loves you so much, like, so much. And that's what he did all week. He just showered his love on me and, and just showed me who he is and who he is when, when I'm not even, like, when I don't amount to anything. You know, he just completely covers my end. So, so yeah. Um, okay, so a lot of times on this, this trip, a lot of people got really discouraged about evangelizing because we didn't see much fruit. So the story that Julia shared was like one in a million. <laughs> so it was like you'd talk to somebody and they'd be like, oh, okay, and you'd think they're really getting it. And then you end the conversation with, well, it's a really nice time talking to you. You guys make me feel like I should be a better person. It was like, not what I was aiming for. Um, and a lot of people felt like, oh, like, this person should do all the evangelizing. Like, they're so much better. Or, like, oh, why isn't this person, like, just going to talk to everybody instead of me? And, like, the thing you want to tell, you want to tell people is, like, God's using you no matter what you think. Like, like no fruit isn't a bad thing. Like, you're, God's still using you. And you're like, well, how do, like, I, I tell them that? Like, how do I tell, like, my friends, like, God's still using you even though it feels like it's, he's not? And um, I read in my devotions that week, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's like, amen. <laughs> you know? Amen. I guess this is somewhat of a combination of what everyone else was saying, because um, it turns out that we're all really similar and that... Um, we all have a lot of the same issues. So going into this trip, um, I really didn't feel prepared. I didn't know what to expect, and I really felt like I wasn't able to be used by God. But um, just after praying, um, just one of the impact nights before, and also the awesome night of prayer that we had on the trip, um, God just really showed me that it doesn't matter like who you are, what you're doing, um, as long as you're doing something for the Lord, you're not useless at all. Um, you don't have to be the pastor or any of the leaders, even if you're the guy that's just like cleaning up after everyone else, um, that's still serving and that's still being used for the Lord. And what God showed me is that I haven't been using my shield and that I have to um, just have more faith in him because faith is basically um, 
the absence of pride, which is pride is um, basically focusing on self, and faith is putting your trust in God. So I definitely, uh, God definitely showed me that I have to have faith in him. And in order to have faith, you need to be in the word and in the word daily, which I'm still working on, but God's still doing a work in all of us. All right, so I've got to share with you. I, I think I've been a Christian longer than any of these guys have been alive on this earth. Yeah. And I have, <laughs> it's pretty old. <laughs> the most amazing part of this trip, I would say one of the most amazing aspects of this trip was watching these ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable, just watching them grow in their faith, watching them get closer to the Lord, watching them get closer to each other, right? Stepping out on faith. It was just unbelievable. I'm telling you, every day we met people from no less than, what, 10, 15 countries a day. You name it. Spain, Uganda, Japan, China, Ukraine, Poland. It was unbelievable. Literally the entire world was there at that park. And, uh, you know, look, I think all of us were a little nervous before going out there thinking about evangelizing to total strangers. I came away from this trip with a couple of key thoughts. One of them is, why don't we do this here? Why am I not doing this here? Why do I call myself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, and think that it's good enough to come to church every week or come to youth and just check the box? There's a reason the Lord didn't take you to heaven the second you got saved. He left you here for a reason, to do his work. And I'm telling you, one, one scripture that kept coming to mind again and again, right, at Parker's Peace was, the fields are white to harvest, but the laborers are few, very few. And I'm very proud of these laborers here. We had some amazing times. Uh, you know, one, one instance I can remember, there was a, a group from China. And if you know anything about China, you know that obviously it's uh, not a very Christian-friendly place. And uh, these, these young people from China approached the table, and one lady, she, she looks at the Bible, and she says, is this a Bible? I said, yes. She goes, is this a New Testament? I said, yes. I said, are you a Christian? She goes, no, but I want to learn more about Jesus. I mean, I just wanted to break down and cry. There's a hunger out there. People want to know who Jesus is. There was a Muslim that approached and said, I want to learn more about this Jesus. And listen, there were some people that weren't interested at all, but we sowed a lot of seeds. Um, I have to tell you, any other environment, I would have felt a little funny about sitting around five young kids rolling up joints and smoking pot while I evangelized to them. But it, did it happen? <laughs> Anywhere else. I mean, what do you do? But you know what? You don't have to call them out. You don't have to judge them. They know what they're doing is wrong. But one thing I discovered is, you know, it's not all about having all of the perfect textbook apologetic answers. One thing I noticed is from time to time as I spoke to these kids that are getting high, wasting their lives, is I would stop and the Lord would convict me and say, just get to their heart. And I would say, you know what? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And I don't know all the answers about every question you have, but one thing I know is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he wants you to spend eternity with him. And you would see tears in their eyes. It was amazing. You know, we talked about creation, evolution. We talked about, is the Bible reliable? We had all those apologetic. But at the end of the day, it was only the times that we got to the heart that they really paid attention. And so my challenge to all of you is, don't just come to youth and check the box. Don't just, I'm a Christian. I go to church. No. Follow Jesus, right? Look for opportunities. You're surrounded by people who need the truth. Get in the word. 
You guys, I think we spent more time in the Word and worship in that week than I have in 20 years. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, to have a group of young ladies, 17, 18 years old, make a decision to stay up all night on their own instead of sleeping and pray and study the Bible. When my wife and I heard that, we were just in awe. How many 17 and 18-year-olds want to do that voluntarily? It's just unbelievable. So it was a life-changing trip. We'd been on other missions trips. You come back feeling like you did a good thing. This was different. This was different. This was a mission to evangelize. And um, it was so hard to get back to work this week, I got to tell you. My, my, my heart's still in Cambridge right now. I'm like, what do I do for a living again? I don't know. I, <laughs> stinking job gets in my way. My family has this habit of eating and I have to work. And other. <laughs> But um, I love you guys. I love these, these young men and women. This is the future of the church right here. You're the future of the church, all right? So stay faithful. God bless. I guess uh, God really used me during this whole trip that um, I kind of like procrastinate a lot. And that uh, like the months before the trip, I just don't, didn't think I was prepared. And until, uh, like, it occurred to me, like, three days before the trip that um, I wasn't really prepared to go. But that was, like, the, um, the enemy speaking to me, telling that you're not uh, worthy enough to go on this trip. So um, knowing God enough that uh, I know God will pull me through it. And so I just went on the trip and uh, expect, expected God to do his own work. And uh, he did a great work. And... Um, I just didn't think I was, uh, since I wasn't prepared enough, or um, I didn't think I was ready. So, but uh, when I started talking to these people, it was just like normal conversations, and um, you didn't really need that much knowledge, but um, you just needed to have the Holy Spirit, and uh, he really spoke to those people. And uh, it's kind of cool how the Holy Spirit works when he just like, um, he speaks to you when you don't know the answer and um, that he speaks for you when you're evangelizing. So it's pretty cool to um, witness that. And uh, he also told me that, uh, God, that um, we are the church as this youth group. And uh, the youth group's actually, I just, it just occurred to me this afternoon that the youth group is just letting us have our own little church for our age and that we, we could run the church. And uh, if you think about it, 20 years from now, we're gonna be um, just doing like our own things and uh, we're gonna be running a church and stuff. And uh, we really need to be prepared and to, um, we can't just like, I would probably say like one third of us in this room by statistically wouldn't be following God uh, within the next 10 years, which is very sad. And um, if we draw close to God, he would um, just uh, use us, so. Amen. I'm just going to read this verse to start off today, and then we're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes this book to the Corinthians. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. 
I really believe that that verse is for us in that there are so many things the Lord Jesus wants to bring us into, so many things of his kingdom, but we're not ready yet. And so, Father, as we come before you this evening, this time of testimony and this time of your word, Lord, change our hearts. We praise you, Lord, for the work that you did, but we praise you even more for the work you're going to do. We pray in faith, Lord, expecting you to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we could ask or think. Lord, you are great. You say, call to me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And we call upon you right now, Lord. Miraculously speak to us through your word as we open it up, Lord, and we just discuss some things tonight. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In case you didn't know, the word is actually amen in Hebrew. We just, uh, someone had a lisp and it didn't work out very well. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question this evening. If God answered what you've been praying for right now, whatever it is that you've been praying for, if God answered those prayers completely, what would change? How would the world be a different place? Notice I said world. I think when we pray prayers, oftentimes the only thing changed is our small little local community. Right? Lord, I pray I get a girlfriend. How is the world made different by you having a girlfriend? Lord, I pray for healing. Yes, that's a very important prayer, but how has the world changed? I think many of us, as Pastor Lloyd's been teaching on Wednesday, our greatest weakness, we're not realizing, our greatest weakness is that we don't even know what to pray for. And so Satan's been holding us at bay by keeping us from praying bold prayers. Before we get into the text tonight, I need to give you some background. Here, the people of Israel are living in Samaria. And right now, in chapter 6, what you find out is Israel goes through this great famine. It's so bad that a donkey's head is sold for $580, about the equivalent today. Dove droppings are sold for $30 a piece. There's no food anywhere. It gets so bad that the king of Israel is walking along the wall. And as he does, a woman cries out to him, O king, have mercy on me. Why? What's the problem, he says. And, and she says to the king, this woman over here made a deal with me. We're so hungry that we're going to cook our children. You cook yours today and we'll cook mine tomorrow. And so we boiled my son and we ate him. And the next day she hid her son. Now, king, give me justice. Pull out her son. And the king tore his, his clothes in anguish because of the famine. And he says in the end of chapter 6, verse 33, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? I think there's a spiritual famine in our youth group. I think some of us have given up. 
I think many of us feel that same way. You look at the depravity inside of your own heart, but also in the world. And you figure, why should I wait for the Lord any longer? You know, I think one of the characteristics of our youth group, and this is what we, we've seen as we went over to England, is that very few people are vocal for the name of Jesus. Not just in the world, but also in the youth group. There's an epidemic here. Who's going tonight? I don't know. Well, I'm probably not going. I'm too busy to be there. And I'm not saying this to put a guilt trip on you. I'm really not. I'm not saying this to convict you or make you feel bad. I'm just saying, if you have that attitude from now on, you're going to miss out on what God's going to do here. Because I truly believe, and the Lord has shown me this past week, that God is going to do something crazy here. And whoever's not here is going to miss out. And that's what you're going to find out in this chapter. The person that doesn't believe that the Lord's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything they could ask or think, that God is incapable of bringing revival in this church, that God is incapable of bringing revival in our hearts, will watch it happen somewhere else and be unable to take part of it. It's crazy. This past week, you know, we brought 15 high schoolers over to England and five leaders. And like I said, it's, there's something in us that doesn't want to say anything, that doesn't want to resonate and say amen to that, does, that doesn't want to praise the Lord out loud. And we'll have our quiet time with Jesus, our devotional time, but we don't live it in front of our Christian brethren. The one people that shouldn't be persecuting us, the one people who we should not be ashamed at all to bring forth the message of Jesus is the one we're kind of like concerned oh, what they're going to do. Are, are they going to raise their hands today? Are they going to say amen? And, and we kind of were followers. No one's a leader today. And we saw that as we brought some people out to England. And it came down to, I mean, there's so much spiritual oppression. You know, I was, I felt like I was the only one getting frustrated and everyone else was like having like this awesome time the first couple of days. But it was really stressful. But what I saw was, a bunch of kids after I, was, I had this, you know, pinnacle of stress. I come downstairs and people are praying for me. And that really blessed me because that showed me something. That people were living it inside. They were just too afraid to live it outside. And so the next day, after the first day of evangelism, the second day, um, we're having a time with Pastor Joey. who's just encouraging us to live our faith and be uh, on fire for God and, and to share our testimonies with each other. Because if we don't know what God has done in our lives and sharing that with each other, how can we go tell other people about what God does in lives? So he encouraged us to be bold about our testimonies and share them. So he said, does anyone have a testimony? Would anyone like to share? And for probably about five minutes, no one said anything. A couple of leaders said something. One student said something. But nothing. No one said anything. That morning I read in Jeremiah 20, that passage where it says, the word of the Lord was burning like fire in my heart. You know, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. That's what I read for my devotions that morning. And at that moment, I'm telling you, there's, I've never had this happen to me in my life. My heart started beating. And usually that means I should say something, right? So my heart's beating. I figure I should say something. And I basically said, 
We have to be very careful that we do not become used to ignoring the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, say something, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you have to respond because if you harden your heart against the Holy Spirit, his voice will get quieter and quieter until you don't hear it anymore. If you remember Jesus, when he was on trial before Pilate, he was in front of his followers, his disciples, the people that he did miracles to. Where was the blind man? Where was the lame man? Where was the 5,000 that he fed? Not one person said anything. Not one person said, this man is innocent. They let him be crucified. When Elijah was on, about, on the, battle of, the battle of Mount Carmel, remember what happened. He told the Jews, choose this day whom you will serve. If Baal is God, choose him. If the Lord is God, choose him. Not one person said anything. And my greatest fear for this youth group is that the church is going to die out because no one wants to respond to the Holy Spirit's moving and his call. And at that point when I said that, I started weeping. The only thing I can really liken it to is like you're puking. It was like an involuntary motion. It wasn't even tears just coming out. It was like my body was just upheaving in just depression. It was the saddest thing I think that's ever come out of my mouth. And it was, it was pretty gross. But I think it was the Holy Spirit coming upon me with this word. And so I'm just a mess. And at that moment, Pastor Joey starts praying, Lord, just show us what this word means. May this sink into our hearts. One student stands up, reads the following passage that he read in his devotions the night before. Ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And, he, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went, it, went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the, those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talents into the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I not sown and gather where I not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him as 10 talents. Pay attention. This is really important. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Prophetic confirmation. The word confirming the, the word that I shared immediately after. So at that point, everyone just starts crying and everyone starts sharing testimonies. Everyone's bold all of a sudden. We had another instance a couple of days later where we had some, a, a breakthrough moment where Pastor Joey just out of nowhere, just like, we need to pray. People stood up to, to be set free of some things and we prayed over them. Some people prophesied over, some people spoke in tongues, some crazy stuff happened. Why did it happen? Because I believe that the Lord is not finished with this church yet. He's not finished with this youth group yet. And he wants to start a new work inside all of us. The question is, are we willing? Because it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It matters what we are doing as a person, as an individual. If we're not responding to the Holy Spirit, that talent will be given to someone else. Crazy stuff. I find out later, just as Ivan shared, that force four female students stayed up the entire night the night before I shared that before I started weeping because they sent some demonic oppression they didn't know what it was so they prayed the entire night they told me after this after I shared what I shared with you guys crazy crazy stuff I found out just two days ago I look back in my journal I keep a journal every single day and uh, in my prayer journal I wrote down I don't know what's, what would require this much spiritual warfare this week that I'd have to go through this stuff. There must be something crazy going to happen tomorrow. That's what I wrote in my journal. I didn't even remember that until I read it the other day. Crazy stuff. And you know what? The church needs a radical transformation, a revival. The question is, how can we all see God move mightily in our lives? It's one thing if you take 20 people, send them off to a different country and just makes everyone else jealous and say, well, what, what the heck? Why can't I have that too? Because we saw some crazy stuff happen. We saw some evangelism stuff go on that I've never seen before. Had an Islamic guy come up to me and just like, who is Jesus? Tell me who Jesus is. I'm like, well, all right, that's too easy. This is crazy. You know, I'm just not making this stuff up. My friend Martin, who I met on my last England trip seven years ago, came, like, I haven't really kept in contact with him. I'm just Facebook friends with him. He drove, uh, took a train two and a half hours to meet up with us. And talking to him, we were just like, this is pretty crazy, isn't it? He's like, yeah, I wouldn't, like, I have good friends that I've known for seven years that I wouldn't go take a train two and a half hours to meet up with him. And we shared Jesus with him for a long time. When we went in these evangelism, like, we didn't just hand out tracks and walk away for five minutes. It was like you, you talked to them for like over an hour. On average, your conversations were like an hour and a half, two hours. Some crazy stuff. We had people from all over the world right there in the field, just sitting down, waiting for us to, to talk to them. God moved powerfully. And ever since I've been back, I've been seeing some, some crazy stuff happen. I've seen a difference. I've seen the Holy Spirit move. And the question is, how can we get that to transfer here? in you guys. Well, let's go to the word because I think the word will show us that. Second Kings chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 1. After all this famine, all this depression, Elijah said, 
verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Basically, all this, the grains, all the things that you've been wanting are going to be sold at normal prices. Cheap prices, once again. So an officer on, on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Could this really happen? Now realize that the king wanted Elijah's head. He said, after he heard this depressing story about the women eating their children, he said, I can just read it to you. He said in verse 31 in chapter 6, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elijah, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. He was really angry. So by saying this, by Elijah saying this to the officer, it could have looked like he was just trying to save his own skin. And maybe you're thinking, maybe Alan's just making this up. Maybe they're just saying this because they're bored or they want something to happen. And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Hmm, interesting. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, the famine, is in the, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Here are lepers. These people, four men who are dying. The first key to seeing God do something mighty in your lives is to recognize that you're starving. To admit to God that there's something missing. God can't work in your heart if you're full of pride and you're saying, God, I can take care of this myself. You need to first admit, Lord, I do not know what I'm doing. Andrew Murray, in a book that we read, The Masters in Dwelling, over the past week while we're in England, there's this one quote and it says, And so God waits, and Christ waits, and the Holy Spirit waits to give victory every day. Not freedom from temptation, no, not that, but in union with Christ, a power that can say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. May God help every heart to say that. And I don't want you to say only, I believe that there is such a life. But second, I have not had it yet. So say that. I have never yet got that. Some may say I have sought it. Some may say I have never heard about it. Some may say at times I thought I have found it, but I lost it again. Let everyone be honest with God. You got to be honest with God. Say, God, I don't know about this life, this spiritual life. One thing I know, I need to be honest with you. Maybe I've never found it. Maybe I don't know what it's like to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And the second observation we can make about this is, what did they have to lose? They were dying. The lepers are saying, well, if we stay in the city, we're going to die. If we go into the enemy camp, we might be killed, but at least we can go die trying. And maybe something will happen. What do you have to lose? Standing up for Jesus in your youth group, in your world, what do you have to lose, really? Persecution, people kill you, you go to heaven. Who cares? And I'm 99.9% .9 sure, sure you're not going to die. Many of us quit before we even get to the point of persecution. 
So first, we have to admit that we're starving because realize that God brings life to dry bones. These are leprous men who had no hope, but God is in the business of restoring hope to the hopeless, bringing life to the lifeless. It continues on, verse 4. If we say we enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. Now, therefore, come and let us surrender to the army of Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight, left the camp intact, their tents, their horses and donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went. And what did they do? They hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. No one else knew. Realize something very important today. You could be on the verge of revival in your heart and not know it. The people of Israel went to bed hungry with no hope, not realizing hope was already found by four lepers in the Syrian camp. These people ate and drank them of themselves. They took for themselves. But if the Lord told you tonight that everything would change, would you believe him? Would you believe the word of the Lord? If God said to you, tonight something's going to change, you're not going to be the same person, would you believe him? Because some people want to see before they believe, don't they? I only want to go to youth group if I'm guaranteed that it's going to be a good night. Only if my friends are going. Only if the people I'm really close with are going to go, then, then I'll go. I want to be sure that it's going to be a good night, a good message, a good speaker, a good teacher before I go and show up. People want to see before they believe. But maybe we've forgotten our position in Christ. You know, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Realize your position in Christ. You already have everything that you need. You don't need to do anything else. Recognize who you are in Christ Jesus if you are a believer here today. You just have to receive his blessings. The battle has already been won. God did the moving. He kicked out the Syrians. You need to realize that there's food waiting for you. All you have to do is receive it. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah 33, 3. So we need to, firstly, admit that you're starving. Secondly, expect God to do great things. That's what God's in the business of doing. Thirdly, do not remain silent. Verse 9 says, Then they said to one another, We're not doing the right thing, basically. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So that first they took of themselves and they ate and they drank. 
But they knew to keep the good news to themselves would be sin. The good news that you guys have in Christ Jesus, if you just keep it to yourself, that is sin. You're robbing other people of that blessing. You're robbing people of partaking of what Christ Jesus has for you. So why are we such a quiet youth group if we know that Jesus has done something in our lives? You know, something Joey shared with us is that all throughout the Bible, you mostly see people being loud for the name of Jesus. The things about quiet times with Jesus are very, very uh, few. The majority of the time, people are proclaiming Jesus and his name and his praises. Psalm 96, 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 117, 1 says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Praise, uh, Psalm 68, 26 says, Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. So we're to be praising God in the congregation. It's not just watching people up here perform and just kind of like hiding behind the music. It's about making melody with your hearts. And let that be the evidence that Christ Jesus is working in you. Do you guys know why we say amen? What does amen mean? Raise your hand. Evan. Let it be, let it snow. That's what it sounded like. Let it be so. That's right. In some cases, it means so be it. But Revelation chapter 3, we find out, that Jesus is the amen. So in other words, when you say amen, you're not just saying so be it, but as Joey showed us, it means so be him. I can attribute Jesus to what you're saying. So when you say amen in a person's prayer, it's not just the end of a prayer that we just tag on, but you're saying in faith, I believe what this person is saying will come true according to the will of God. That's why we're to be vocal because it's an expression of faith so when someone else is praying, you say what? You say what? Amen. Amen. Why? Because you believe that God is faithful on his promises. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I know it might seem awkward at first. We might not be used to it. But it's very important to be vocal about our faith, because if we're not vocal here, there's no chance we're going to be vocal out there. How are you going to stand up for Jesus when people make fun of him in, in your schools? When they abuse his name in schools? If you're not even willing to do that with your Christian brothers and sisters that will cheer on and be with you. You see, when you pray corporately, you're kind of building each other up in faith. So you start off praying a prayer. Someone says amen, and then you're heightened too because you realize you're both in agreement and you're both bringing this request towards God, and God's going to honor it. Lastly, what we find out is after these lepers find out the good news and they realize they can't be silent, they tell the king, and what happens? Verse 17, now the king had appointed the officer on which on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seahs of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. 
Then that officer who had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord were to make, would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, In fact, you, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. That's it. The person who was the officer of the king didn't believe, and he could only see that blessing and not partake of it himself. He didn't believe in God's power. He said, this is impossible. How could anyone, if God were to open the windows of heaven, how could it be possible that he could make such a drastic change overnight? Realize two things. One, he didn't believe in God's power, and he didn't believe in God's creativity. He didn't believe that God was capable, and he didn't think that God had better options. Did God have to open the windows of heaven? No. He did it a very different way. And sometimes we feel like, God, I don't think you could do this because you would have to do this and this in order to make it happen. And God says, I think I, my ways are better than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I can do whatever I want because I'm God. G. Campbell Morgan on this point says, how often faith breaks down in this way. It knows that God is and that he can act, but it only sees one way and refuses to believe that such a way will be taken. But notice, the supply came without the opening of heaven's windows. It did. We find out in the Gospels that unbelief can actually hinder the work of God. In Matthew chapter 13, it says, Now he, Jesus, did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Mark recounts it by saying, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. Because we go evangelizing to people that want evidence. How can I know that God is real? But many of us are atheists in a very different way. We don't believe that God can act. We also want evidence. God, show me what you want me to do, and then I'll do it. And God says, go do what I'm telling you to do, and then I'll show you. We want evidence. But realize something very important today. Write this down. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. We got the first part down. We believe that God is. We believe that he's God and he's awesome and he's wonderful, all these things. But there's a second part to it. Second part to faith. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's how I know for certain that God's going to do something different tonight. Because I believe in faith that if we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him. It just depends. Are you willing? It depends on you guys. Are you going to seek him with your whole heart? Are you going to be like those people on the Battle of Mount Carmel, the Jews who limped back and forth because they weren't really sure what they wanted to do? Faith is believing without seeing. Believing in God, saying, since you have been faithful in the past to Moses, to the prophets, to Elijah, through Pastor Joey Rozek. You have been faithful in the times past, and we know that you can do the same work in our lives today. 
Just imagine what our church could look like if people in this youth group were on fire for God. Instead of just 20 people that went to England, the entire youth group caught this fire. And then on a Sunday, when everyone's, a com everyone's complaining because the music's too loud or it's too young or too youthful or I just don't like this song, they look to their left and see youth worshiping in spirit and in truth. What kind of change could happen in this church? And you don't have to be a part of it. You just might be that person that watches from a distance and be unable to partake of it. You see what I'm saying? You might miss out on God's blessings because you refuse to believe that God is able to do anything that he asks us to do. Are you willing to step into something bigger? Are you willing to sacrifice your self-image and not just start well, but finish better? God has called each and every one of us to a race and he equips us to run that race, but we have to finish it. Run it with endurance. Believe that he's going to reward us if we seek him. Not, I'll believe God when he speaks to me and not, I'll go where God shows me, but realize two verses later in Hebrews chapter 11, verse Verse 8, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to know where you're going. You don't have to know your calling. You don't have to know what God wants you to be in the future. Know what God wants you to be right now here today. He wants you to be a follower of Christ Jesus, which means laying down your pride and saying, amen. So be it. I believe Jesus can do that. Can I get an amen? amen. Do you believe it? Andrew Murray has a quote also in his book. It says, the thief did not know where he was going. He did not know what was going to happen, but Jesus, the mighty conqueror, took him in his arms and landed him in his ignorance in paradise. Thief on the cross, didn't know. You know, the whole Bible is about trust, isn't it? Trusting God, believing in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. It's such a simple concept. And we have so many people in our church that are like this king's official that will see God move mightily but be unable to partake of it because of their unbelief. Realize to not believe the word of God is to not believe God himself. It's to be an atheist, to not believe in the God of the Bible because you don't trust in his word. That's not faith. It really isn't. By faith you have been saved, not of works. So the reason why we struggle with so many different issues is not because we have to struggle a little bit harder, but because we don't have faith in the God that is able to bring us out of those struggles. It's all about faith. It's all about the God that's behind the faith. What God are we believing in? Are we believing in the God of evidence? Are we believing in the God who's been our ever-present help in time of need, able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we could ask or think? So, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,
we know you're a God that works wonders. Lord, there are some people here today that have been in that dry and thirsty land, Lord, that have been starving spiritually. And Lord, we know that you have abundance waiting for us. You said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. If a father is willing to give his son bread and good things, and he being evil is willing to give good things, how much more is the heavenly father going to give his Holy Spirit to those who, who ask? Lord, we're asking you here today for everyone who's in agreement today. We're asking, Lord, that you move in us. Everyone who is in agreement today, we're asking that you move in us. Everyone who is asking today, we're asking, Lord, move in us. And Lord, for the rest of us, we might be left out. But Lord, to much whom is much is given, much is required. And we're recognizing that today. And Lord, we're coming boldly to that throne of grace. Lord, we're, we're weak. We don't have what it takes. But Lord, you see us and you want to bring beauty out of our lives. You want to show your power because it works best in weakness. You want to take the people that are the most enabled, the least, and make them the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You want to take those that are as capable as a little child and say, let all the children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, what kind of work do you do in this church by using people that are young, that feel incapable, but are submitted to your will? What could this church look like? And Lord, as some of us come to the all-nighted prayer tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would move in a way that we've never felt before through your Holy Spirit and your leading. God, we thank you and praise you tonight. Pray, Lord, as we go out from today, Lord, that we meditate on these things, we think upon these things, because we're excited, Lord, at what you're going to do in, in us. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen.